the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You ever get the feeling that you've broken the camel's back? You've used up the last straw. God will never forgive you. Well, even in the worst of rebellion, God still extends mercy. That's what we'll explore this week here on Way of Grace. From Grace Bible Church in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com, welcome. This is Way of Grace with our teacher and pastor, Jessica Stan. We turn our attention to the ultimate exodus, or a preview of the ultimate exodus. We're in part four of our Arise, Move, and Go series. Today, we're in Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 24. Now, this week, we'll continue seeing a main theme that brings itself forward here in these early chapters of Genesis, and that is God's mercy in spite of our rebellion and our hatred towards God. It's an amazing look at an amazing God that extends to us mercy at every turn. With more, here's Pastor Jesse and today's broadcast of Way of Grace. We'll get as far as we possibly can when you respect the Word of God and understand that it's not any old kind of book, you can't just run through it and expect God to speak to you. Some of us know we can read one Bible verse and be trapped by the depth of the proposition of that verse for a lifetime, really. Now, God has given us the whole value from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis 1-1, Revelation 22 and 21, for us to Behold, to listen to, largely listen to, faith comes by hearing, to analyze, we use the term study, we mean much more than simply the mechanisms of analysis and deconstruction and reconstruction, we mean study as if your life depended upon it. That's why some of us can study the word of God until we breathe our last breath. Because for us, as God told the children of Israel, this is your life. And that's what Jesus meant when he also said that it is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. And God's word is spiritual and it really only communicates effectively to spiritual people. That's 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the carnal mind does not receive the things of the spirit because they are actually spiritually discerned. It's the spiritual mind that values God's word even when we don't understand it. And so what we say with David is, give me understanding and I will keep your ways. That's what we say. And so we trust that 
one of the most ancient historical events in the world might map onto where you and I are today in terms of this very, very unique portion of scripture. So the title of our series starts off with our theme, Arise, Move, and What? Go. And uh, yeah, that, that, that can work too, right? Can that work? And particularly when you're asking God to arise, move. Come on, Lord, help a brother out, right? And we've learned that the psalmist does not have a problem saying, Lord, make haste to deliver me, right? So that we're, we're speaking anthropomorphically about God rising up when he sees his people in concern. Subpoint of our text, our subtitle is a preview of the ultimate what? Yeah, I want you to hear that. It's a preview of the ultimate exodus. The way I want to run up on that, because the idea of arise, move and go means to depart from where you are to somewhere else, because where you are, you are in danger. This is what I'm trying to get us to drill down into this year, to be able to recognize when the scenario or the environment or your circumstance is such that requires a greater level of alertness and then the willingness to obey God so as to reposition yourself so that you can actually be safe, if not helpful to others. That's the goal this year to actually ask God to help us think more deeply, more acutely, and with a level of flexibility that we don't get stuck as much as we got stuck last year. Some of us got stuck last year. And I don't want to always get stuck. Do you? Right. Because when when we're stuck, then we have to own the other S on the word stuck. Right. We have to own that we're stupid when we're stuck over and over and over again. I have to say, okay, Lord, I'm just like you said, I am slow. But it's frustrating to find yourself stuck in the same situation all the time. And that's not what God's people are called to. God's people are not called to be stuck. In fact, God's people are called to keep it moving until we end up in glory. Now, the person we're going to be talking about today is just going to give us just a tad of an insight into the, may, the way and process by which God deals with his people when they are in precarious circumstances. So I'm going to start off this way. The only way you and I can really appreciate a man like Enoch um, is to understand the context and the circumstances of the environment that he lived in. The only way you and I can benefit from this very enigmatic symbol of him being taken, and and it's one of the most controversial uh, theological discourses in in theological history, what happened when Enoch was taken. We'll talk a bit about that. But the only way that you can understand that is to understand this, that Enoch lived in a tenfold generation. He lived within what is called the patriarchal generation to the 10th person. He lived within a cycle of human life that we would describe as the creation of man to the destruction of man. You have to understand that or you won't benefit. It'll just be another left behind series where you see folks floating in the air and that completely misses the point. Uh, Enoch is a signal to us about how God responds when his people live the way God wants them to in the midst of a world that utterly hates God. That's what Enoch is. So Enoch becomes for us a lot of lessons. Again, I want to establish this principle from Adam 
to Noah is 10 generations. Okay, that's what Genesis 5 is about. It's called a calendar. It's called the patriarchal calendar. More could be said about it. But if you listen at the names carefully, listen to them, you see from Adam. You see from Seth, you see from Enos, you see from Enos to Cain, you see from Cain to Mahaliel, you see from Mahaliel all the way through to Noah. And these are all fathers upon fathers upon fathers because we are dealing with the patriarchal section of scripture. We go from patriarchy to monarchy to the ecclesiastical order, right? The coming of the son and the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. We are in the patriarchal order. And when you read Genesis chapter five, This is the first time you get chronological history from the creation of man to the doom of man in Genesis 7 through 10. See, some of us believe that God wiped out humanity in the days of Noah. Do you? I'll tell you who else believed it. Jesus did because he spoke about it in Matthew chapter 24, as it was in the days of Noah. So if Jesus believed in Noah because the scripture said it, he also believed in Enoch because Enoch would have been the great grandfather of Noah. Okay, and something's happening when you and I live between the bookends of of divine providence. Something happens because you and I know that God knows the end from the what? Right. He sees everything all at once. And so for God, the linear unfolding of history is simply the mapping out or expression or manifestation of his will. Would you agree with that? For God, history is never a mystery. For God, history is never a mystery because history is always his story unfolding in multiple layers of purpose for which when you and I ever achieve the blessed status of being an Enoch, do you know what that is? A person that walks with God. If we ever are able to capture the status of being an Enoch, you get to live in a crazy world. I mean, an insanely crazy world. I mean, a demonically, insanely crazy world. But it's not crazy to you. It's only crazy to people who don't walk with God. And what's going on in our account is the juxtaposition of a mounting evil. A mounting evil that can be divided into two linear categories. The line of Cain and the line of Seth. Now, the line of Seth meaning simply that Adam had Seth as the one that took the place of Abel because Cain killed him. And so what you get to enjoy in Genesis 4 and 5 are the paradoxical expressions of two groups of people living two different kinds of lives. Now, your Bible breaks these down into what we call binaries, right? The wicked and the righteous, the just and the unjust, the saved and the unsaved, the carnal man and the spiritual man, the fleshly man and the heavenly man. So we can run through Cain's line and we can see what the emphasis is on the part of a people group who are of Cain. And then we can run through the line of Seth in Genesis 5 and we remarkably are giving, given, listen, nothing about their vocations. You didn't read one thing about what kind of job Adam had or Seth or Cain, or Enos, or Mahaliel, or Jared, 
or Methuselah. You didn't read anything about that, did you? But now if you go to chapter four, guess what you read? Cain started businesses. His people groups were artificers and iron workers and they built cities and sounds like the natural man, doesn't it? Because it is. Because it is. And this is why Jesus made it very plain. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And what does a man's life consist of? It does not consist primarily of his degrees. It does not consist primarily of the things he possesses. His life does not primarily consist in the capacity for him to acquire wealth or material goods. This is what the line of Cain and the line of Abel revealed to you and me. Are you guys hearing me? And what's remarkable about the line of of, uh, uh, Seth out of Adam over in contradistinction to the line of Cain. We're going to touch on that in a minute. I'm just I'm bringing you in. This is called a rhetorical vortex. You know, I have to do that because some of y'all are still outside mentally. You're not in here physically. And we got to be together when we listen to God's word. You're not going to hear God's word if your body here and your soul is transported to Timbuktu. God requires Coram Dale. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of full attention on the part of his people. So my plane always takes off down a long tarmac, as you know, because I don't want nobody left. I want everybody on the plane when we take off, when we ascend to the heights. I want some people able to ride 35,000, 4,000 feet and see things the way God does before we land the plane. Before we land the plane. And so the point being is that if you can hold two bookends here as we get ready to jump in and really enjoy, enjoy the mystery of Enoch, you're holding the bookend of the beginning of creation where God creates Adam and the end of humanity where God tells Noah, now come into the ark. And God shuts the door and everything that God had said for several thousand years earlier now comes to pass. And as Solomon said, fish that are trapped in an evil net at a time that they know not. Now all of humanity comes under the wrath of God. What a narrative. But in between the creation of man and this what we call the great calamity. The great calamity of Noah's day are some things happening. Now, I want to remind you what they are so we can run up to this this very important and largely prophetic event that happens for just one or two verses in the Old Testament and three verses in the New. We'll touch on them. And that is the birth, life and ascension of Enoch. Now, what takes place in chapter four, you already know. And it comes under the title, The Brutal Mercies of Reserving the Wicked. The Brutal Mercies of Reserving the Wicked. I want to alarm you about chapter four this way. God has demonstrated himself over and over again, all the way up to Enoch, to be a God of mercy. Would you agree with that? Let me argue for God just in case you don't know it. Anytime God allows you and me to have one more breath, he's being merciful. I'm going to argue for God right now. And particularly when you don't know him in the pardon of your sins and in the free grace of God in Christ, for you and I to live in God's world and not really love him and adore him for all the bounty he gives us is only his mercy. 
For a man to live in God's world and breathe his air and eat his food and claim his ground and tell God to get out. The only reason God hasn't destroyed him is because of his mercy. And I got a man that we had looked at last week named Cain. And I told you his name in the Hebrew means possessor and it could go multiple ways. But we are going to make application this way. Cain is a person that wants to possess and not be possessed. He wants to possess, but he doesn't want God to possess him. And that's the way we are outside of Christ. All the labor of man is for his belly. And so we grapple after the world. Because we got a vacuum in our soul we can't feel. And it is never satisfied. So we're always seeking to possess. It's so much of an avarice that we're willing to take other people's stuff. This is why God said in the Decalogue, please understand God knows what he's saying. You shall not covet. And yet Mama Isha and Brother Cain both coveted, did they not? It was lust that drove them. All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh. That's Eva, the lust of the eye. That's Cain and the pride of life. That's what got both of them in trouble. And I gave you a list of their parallels last week, didn't I? I won't go back, but they paralleled, right? They had their eye on the wrong thing. They were distracted. That's what the devil wants to do, distract you. And then they were committed to the idolatrous uh, acquisition of that thing, even if it meant kill everybody else. That's why Jesus said, you know, be very careful about the root of the matter because the root of the matter has horrible fruit behind it. And what we looked at with Cain, did we not? Is that Cain had been called to worship right along with his brother Abel, wake up, and that the worship didn't go well for Cain. Because God is operating at a level in this context of presence and conscience. So, right, we're in the presence of God, and that's not good for everybody. Some people are not in a position where they can benefit from being in the presence of God. The conscience is too laden down with all kind of guilt and condemnation and deceit and corruption. And remember what Jesus said in John 3, 19, men love what? They love darkness and they hate the light. And the Bible tells us God is light. And this is why some people can't stand the idea of a sovereign divine being having control of us. Am I making some sense? So what I share with you is when you come up out of Genesis chapter two, very clearly there is something missing. And if you don't understand the inference of mystery and interpretation, you miss what's missing. And what was missing was the presence of God and the conscience of Eve and the presence of God in the conscience of Cain. And that's why they walked into the darkness that they did. Am I making some sense? You know this is true because it happens to you and me too. We will wake up without a cognitive, intentional quorum deal with God and the whole day goes wrong, doesn't it? If God didn't put a chain on us because we were a bunch of fools and drag us out of the courts of death, we'd head right on down to the pit. And so we saw Eve make a disaster of it, didn't she? I'm going to call her Isha because I told you she was not called Eve until she was restored. Because she's called to be Eve as the mother of all living, Genesis chapter uh, 3 around verse 20. But before she was called Eve, she was just a woman. 
just a woman. And as just a woman, she forgot what her role was. Didn't I tell you that? She left off submitting to her hierarchy of authority, God, and then her husband, because if it had been two of them, they would have defeated the enemy. Isn't that what the Bible says? Woe to him that is alone. Because when one comes against him, he cannot overcome him. But yes, when there's two, they can prevail against one. She messed up. And so her and her husband had to actually deal with the hard reality that God doesn't lie. But what did God do? He didn't just let them perish. Here's the first response that we get in a God of mercy. He hunted them down. Now, what you're going to understand is from that point to where we are now, God's still hunting down. God has to hunt the sinner down. He hunted Eve and Adam down. He took them through a courtroom hearing because God is a judge. And then not only did he hunt them down, he called them. Then he covered them. Did he cover them? Then he kicked them out of there, out of his house. Called, covered, and kicked out. Remember, that was the second arise, move, and go, I told you. The first one Eve should have heard when she realized that the world had been turned upside down, a postmodern state of irrationality, and she was talking to a snake. How crazy must you be to think you can talk to a snake and everything going to be all right? But that's where we are in our generation, are we not? Where we done turned everything upside down. The animals are equal to the human beings because a human being is not made in the Imago day. We might as well be talking to snakes and turtles and tadpoles and everything else and expect them to talk back. Now, when you walk around and you hear people talking to tadpoles and frogs and snakes, understand their world has been turned upside down. People that got sense know better. And we understand the hierarchy of God and man and woman and the family. And that we're created in the Imago Day, and our job is to have dominion over everything that God gave us. We respect the creatures. We know they have levels of intelligence. We can benefit from that. They are not equal to human beings. So we have to live with that because, you know, Miss Isha brought that in and Adam helped her. And then we look up and Eve has two children. The first is the firstborn. His name is what? Cain. 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 And the secondborn is who? Abel. 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 And Abel and Cain are now the two brothers that develop for us the binary conflict running all the way through the scriptures. The battle between the righteous and the wicked. Between the elect and the non-elect between the saved and the unsaved, between the wicked and the righteous, between people that walk by faith and people that walk by sight. Those are the lessons you run through your Bibles. I'm not making some sense. And so here we are with Cain, and I'm going to make an argument that the problem with Cain, when God had called them to worship because Cain had been taught how to worship because he had parents that loved God, didn't he? Adam and Eve loved God. And God showed them that. He can easily receive a sinner. We believe that, don't we? God loves sinners. And he has made a provision by which sinners can have a relationship with him. And Mama and Eve and Daddy Adam taught their children. Listen to me, you boys. You don't know it yet, but you're going to find out real soon that you're a sinner. And you're going to have to understand that God doesn't put up with sin. 
He has a provision for it. And when we reject that provision, we're going to suffer some consequences. That's the message we preach today, is it not? That men need Christ. They need the grace of God. They need redemption and reconciliation. Now, Abel watched his mama and daddy worship God by sacrifice as they told them that God was the first person to offer a sacrifice to himself to set the pattern of how worship should be. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes, that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.